0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host Ryan McDowell, joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, it's been a little while since we chatted. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, We are exactly two weeks away from the draft opening up on Thursday night when we record this. It seems like it's happening fast and furious. And since we talked, I started doing some Dynasty writing for 4 for 4 too. So I urge people to check that out. They can find my Dynasty ranks and all that good stuff there too.
0: I saw that you've been you've been teasing your dynasty rankings on here and sharing them a little bit at a time with us and now we can see them all uh out in the open over at four for four they do They do great work over there, so that's a nice pairing good for you man yeah thanks it's good stuff well you know i you mentioned the draft i wish matt I wish I was going to the draft it's it's pretty close to me this year but I don't think I'm going to make it. Our guest, though, is going to be there. Uh, we've got Kyle Krabs, the Senior NFL Draft Analyst for the Draft Network. Kyle, you looking forward to the draft?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, this is actually my first time going and, and being live mm. on site. The last two years, I've flown out to Phoenix. Uh, been doing work with Fan with FanRag Sports before they unfortunately closed up shop, and their studios were out there. So we were flying out there kind of the opposite direction. Ironically yeah. enough, I live it, just outside of Philadelphia, and the draft came to Philly, and I went to Phoenix. So be, be glad to be in Nashville this year, for sure.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. Now, I know you guys at uh, at the Draft Network have, uh, have lots of plans there. Are you going to actually physically be in the building, or what do you guys have planned?
2: So our live 2019 NFL Draft Show is presented by Under Armour Rush. Uh, Under Armour just put out a new uh, – Line of athletic apparel, and they've decided to partner with us as one of the platforms to really bring that messaging uh, of this new line of athletic wear that they have. We're really excited to partner with Under Armour, obviously uh, a household name, but we will be at STK Steakhouse, which is doing their soft opening, their Nashville location, uh, the week of the draft, and uh, they're going to have a, a section of the restaurant. Uh, f- for our essentially studio where we will be broadcasting all three days live coverage of the picks as they're coming in and uh, we'll have a little bit of a live audience there and and some fun stuff too we got we got some guests and stuff that i'm not quite at liberty to just share yet because we're not signed on the dotted line yet but some uh some former players will be joining us and and hopefully at least one current player as well so lots of really fun stuff planned for it
0: you guys are just Totally killing it over there. I loved your uh, combine coverage, and but it's not just combine and NFL draft season. You guys are doing this year round. We've had you on the show before, Kyle, but uh, since your last appearance, you've moved to the Draft Network. The Draft Network has has been born. Just catch our audience up a little bit on on the site, what you guys offer, just what you're all about.
2: Sure. So uh, last this time last year, I was working for my own small time outfit, uh, NDT Scouting, which I kind of started from nothing as a pet project and uh, been approached by uh, Trevor Sikma, one of my, my co-workers at the Draft Network, who does a podcast with uh, John Ledyard, one of our, our additional team members. And we were asked, uh, would you be interested in, in becoming part of, like, essentially a business startup? We have this investor that's really interested in, and wants to kind of change draft coverage. And it, it, it we, we were all of that like mind that... There's enough enthusiasm about this event that, you know, you can turn it into with as many overlaps as there are with college football and pro football and fantasy football and, and the draft itself. So many overlaps that there's a market for this. And so we kind of all came together and pulled together when we're, we're really trying to uh, capture and inspire Football fans, regardless of what your background is, to to get involved with the draft and to quote unquote be the expert. You know that's our our call to action at the Draft Network is we want folks to use our big build your own big board tool and mock draft machine and build your own big board and import it into the mock draft machine so you can see based on your personal big board how the the draft would play out and a lot of really really fun stuff and uh, like you said it's a three hundred sixty five day. Thing for us, we're trying to t- treat it exactly like the treat- the teams treat player evaluation and uh, kind of walk the audience through the start to finish.
1: Folks, you guys are obviously listening and are podcast fans, but um, I do the Locked On NFL show, and Kyle and Joe Marino do a daily show as well, Draft Dudes, and then there's a the Locked On NFL Draft podcast too. So it's really good stuff. And Kyle, I've been meaning to tell you, I get so many t- tweets a day. From Steelers fans, after turning them onto your site to do Steeler mock drafts, I mean, all the time. I got Devin Bush at twenty, and I mean, how about this? What do you think of this, Williamson? And I get uh, tons of them every day. They love it.
2: Yeah, it's 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 been really really fun Pretty to cool. see just how engaged people are with it and and playing with the different scenarios, and it it's really really cool.
0: Yeah, that that mock draft tool is is really really a game changer for for fans uh, who can. You know, like Matt was just saying, just kind of see what their team might get. It's easy to do in the first round to, to make those projections or look at mock drafts. But once you really get deep in the weeds, that's when it really gets fun for the diehards.
2: Well, I've even seen people choose to do like a position, right? Like offense. somebody did it for the Minnesota Vikings and they, they wanted to draft into your offensive line. So they took the best available into your offensive linemen with each pick to give their readers and, and listeners an idea this is the kind of talent drop off we could potentially see in round to round. So, like content creators are using it for some pretty fun stuff too. Yeah, yeah that is
0: cool. That's, that's good great. Idea. So, Kyle, on top of all that you have going on with the uh, the NFL Draft Network, the Draft Network, you also recently released your twenty nineteen NFL Draft Prospectus. This is uh, essentially a, a draft guide for the twenty nineteen NFL Draft. This thing is three hundred and twenty eight pages and it's free. That's that's maybe the best part, for, at least for our listeners. They can go check it out for free. What what was it like putting this together on top of everything else you've got going?
2: It was a challenge. Um, th- yeah. This is the sixth <laughs> time I've done one of these, and so I've, I've done over 1,800 player evaluations in six years, and this was the first time that I had a full-time job in football. the The, the position with the Draft Network is a full-time gig, and, and I don't have to worry about splitting a nine-to-five with it or anything like that. So it was really enlightening, but at the same time, it was almost more of a challenge because I felt like, oh, you, you wake up, you roll out of bed, you say, you've got all day to watch players, let's watch some players. And you look up, and it's one o'clock, and you've done two players because you watched seven games on each guy. It's like, <laughs> shoot, like, where'd the day go? So, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, it's going to be hard to get out 350 yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So
2: it was, it took a little bit of calibration on my part because it was a different experience, but I didn't want, I've always done the book. So I wanted to continue to do the book, but having a full-time salary and knowing how hard this industry can be and how many guys that are out there that are busting their tail and they're trying to charge five, seven, ten, twenty dollars for a draft guide. For me to be in the position that I'm so fortunate to have a full-time salary position in the field, how could I justify charging? You know, I, I, I'm i making my living off of this already. So it felt right to do what I was going to do anyway. I was going to scout all the players anyway. I was going to write all the reports. It was just the extra steps of putting it into the PDF and formatting it and making sure it looked appropriate and, and ordering the pages and, and that kind of work, which was a lot of extra work, but... I was going to do most of it anyway, and then I wanted to to provide this to people who have been supportive of my work in years past, and the the feedback has been phenomenal. I've tripled downloads in 72 hours versus what I sold in five years. It's just wow. been the, the response has been overwhelming.
1: Well, congratulations on that, and folks, I mean, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can go to draftnetwork.com. And there's a link right there, download it for free. So Correct. Like everyone should do that right this yeah. minute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I can certainly understand that the positive feedback because it is packed with information. Um, just, you know, you, you could spend the rest of these two weeks from now until draft time uh, reading this thing. Very, very informative. Maybe one of my favorite parts to the guide is it felt like a simple thing at, at first, but the deeper I got on your, your, ranking list, the more impressive it was, the red flag tags. You've you've got uh, size concerns about certain players, maybe even certain players that might go first overall. You've got off-field issues and uh, medical issues. That's just so much information, just that piece alone. I I was talking with some other Dynasty players the other day, and we were talking about how off-field issues affect uh, player value, both in the NFL draft and in, in fantasy. And guys like Preston Williams, uh, jumps out to me this year. But a lot of times we don't, we might not know about those issues. You've you've done the work for us. I, I imagine that was so time in t- intensive to to research that piece of it.
2: Well, part of every player, every player evaluation starts with the biography, and and that includes the collection a lot of this information. And then, you know, for measurements and stuff like that, you double back after the combine or the the All Star events and um it's kind of it was cumulative work over from start to finish this this took me about five months to do I started writing reports in late October and to to finish with the the depth of information and to be as thorough as I wanted to be but the tags themselves I really love the concept of them they were a suggestion to me from Gary Horton who used to do uh scouting and you get Gary on yeah, the phone. I have to
1: interrupt you for one second. Gary Horton started Scouts Inc., mm-hmm. which was exactly who I got employed with the minute I was done with the Browns, like sixteen years ago. And then we were bought over, bought by ESPN. So Gary Horton gave Todd McShay his start. I mean, all of us old Scouts Inc. guys, way back when, Gary Horton was one of the creators. So that's very cool. I didn't know you had that overlap. Yeah.
2: So, and you know, Gary, you you get Gary talking. Gary will give you 10 pieces of advice, and he'll just – he he loves to chat football, and, and it's really fun to, to to catch up with him, but he t- –
1: Especially if you're at a local
2: watering hole in Bristol. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but he talked about the importance of putting as much of this information there and ease of consumption of it as, as quickly as possible, and he referred to when you're in the draft room, you want to be able to quickly refer to a player – And have that essential information right there for you. So when I'm illustrating on the vertical draft board the rankings of the players, uh, having those tags immediately next to their name can give a little extra concept or uh, context where, you know, say a player comes off the board and you do the quick reference and you see, oh, okay, there's an incomplete athletic profile here and this guy had a medical, so he probably didn't test at the Combine. Let me flip through his report and, and get more of the details. And implementing those in that extra step really gives you this very reader-friendly experience as you're flipping through the big board to understand, you know, if there's guys left in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that were, maybe had second-round grades, they probably have a tag next to their name at this point. And those are the things that cause
1: these players to drop
2: in the actual draft.
1: And, Kyle, you probably know this, but I don't know if our whole audience does, but that's exactly what the NFL does. I mean, when you're looking at your big board, every player has a magnet. There's their 40 on there. There might be an alert. There might be an S for size or whatever. And, you know, before you actually turn your card in, it's be like, hey, are we okay with this alert? Or how about that medical? Or, you know, I mean, just so it's very visual right in front of you, like your guide.
0: Yep.
2: And the, the whole objective that we want to do with the draft network is to emulate the 33rd scouting department. So as many things as we can utilize to replicate. Now, this – this I mean, the prospectus was just – it's my work. So it's my reports. It's, it's my presentation of the information. But these are all the same conversations we have behind closed doors with our, our team.
0: So, Kyle, digging a little deeper into these red flags, like I said, this this really was probably my favorite part of the guide so far that I've, that I've seen. You've got 10 different tags. I'm just going to run over them really quickly for our listeners – Incomplete athletic profile, character concerns, level of competition, medical history, football IQ, a position change, size concerns, speed concerns, strength concerns, and underachiever. So, out of those ten, all some of these players that you've you've ranked here have uh, have two or three or four of these issues, which you've already explained, kind of how that's going to impact their uh, their draft standing. But of those 10, which two or three would you say, from from your understanding, is most concerning for NFL teams?
2: For NFL teams, it's uh, character concerns, first and foremost, because if they can't trust the person, they're, they're going to have a hesitancy to bring you into the building. Some teams are more liberal with that than others. Uh, the other one I would say that is extremely uh, important to all teams is the medical history. So... If you're reading the board and you see the C or the M next to their name, that's a big red flag that that potentially
1: could have a disastrous effect on the player's individual stock throughout the the course of the draft. And nothing breaks a, a scout's heart more than the medical. You know, like, boy, I love this player. And then doctors say, ah, but he's got this knee. I don't know. You know, I think it's going to be a chronic situation. And what are you supposed to say? I mean, I think dumb football people will say, let's draft them anyways, as opposed to the guy that went to med school and has been doing this for 30 years. Right. I mean, that's why you pay him. You know I mean? That's our—that's how you make mistakes.
2: And that's not to say you can't draft them, but if you've got a second-round sure. grade on a player, don't draft the medical concern in the second round. And that was part of the valuable feedback that I got from Gary Horton was, when I was first starting in the industry, was, was talking about, okay, how do you quantify a medical issue that you have no business determining how significant it is. Right. So right. he says, well, a second-round player on film, they're a second-round player, period. It's a question of, are there things that can cause you to opt to go a different direction, but that doesn't change the caliber of the player on the field. So once I kind of had that epiphany, it became much easier to say, okay, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to change my grade on a player. Like a, good, a great example from last year is Arden Key who Arden Key, I was a big fan of his tape. You know, he came in last year, or 2017, and he was super heavy. And it kind of changed his entire profile. But you, you watch him at his peak, and he was a really impressive football player. So he ended up being much higher on my personal draft board. So from an accuracy perspective, this may hurt me a little bit. But I can't predict all of the variables that are out there. I can only present the information based on the player that I see on the field, the red flags that are present that acknowledge that they may or they may not at all, depending on the team, impact that player's draft stock.
1: Yeah, yeah that's well said. And, you know, the, some of these guys that are coming in for visits as we speak, a lot of it's for medical reasons, for character reasons, spend the day with the player. So all really valuable stuff that goes pretty much right up to the wire of the draft. So, but folks, I just want to tell you a little bit about reality sports online too. I mean, it's a very powerful fantasy sports platform platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and way more. And, of course, this sounds really complicated, right? It really isn't. I mean, the best thing about reality sports online... ...fantasy front office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires requires more strategy. So so if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is a platform to test your metal. So if you're still not sure, you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. And if you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, all one word, all lowercase, BLUEPRINT, and receive a 10% discount on your team or league today fantasy just got real at reality com.
0: Kyle when we have draft experts on we always like to discuss the the outliers in their rankings those players that they might differ on from the norm or the consensus rankings and you've got a few of those so we'll start at the quarterback position you do have Kyler Murray as your qb1 so that that's in line with uh, pretty much pretty much everything else we've seen but overall he's your 30th player when when you consider all positions, and you actually have him graded as an early second-round value. Obviously, at this point, we, we're we all pretty certain he's going to be the first overall pick mm-hmm. to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, other than that size concern, which you, you do note, what else for Murray pushes him down a little bit on your board? Well, I think it's, it's
2: interesting because you hear people refer to Kyler's size and, and his ability as a passer, and they say you know, the size doesn't impact... His ability to throw the football, he doesn't have any balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. Well, (laughs) yeah, he can throw around bodies, but that doesn't mean the ball's going where it needs to go or he's seeing everything that's taking place on the field. So when I watched Kyler, uh, one of the areas that I thought was an area of concern and, and something that I'm not sure how to limit unless you adjust your play calling Appropriately is he had trouble seeing routes open in the intermediate areas of the field, in the middle of the field, because he can't see over his offensive lineman because he's five ten, and that's fine. I thought he threw with great timing and great confidence to the sidelines. You know those deep outs, the comeback patterns. He was money on those throws, but when he's hitting the top of his drop and there's a, a a dig route in the middle of the field. He either didn't see it, or he's gotta throw over bodies, or he's gotta slide and try and find the lane to throw the ball and now the ball's late. So there's there's just these little subtleties that that impacted the consistency of hitting those throws that you watch at Dwayne Haskins and, and his best areas, the intermediate areas of the field in the middle of the field and He can hammer those throws and drive them home. And and Kyler's certainly got the arm strength to do it. But it's not easy for him in that capacity. He's much more comfortable in the deeper portions of the field. And he's much more comfortable to the peripheral of the field instead of the heart of the field. And um, I think that is just a limitation that that you acknowledge. You know, you you don't want to bash a player. And if you've got a system that has a vision of spreading the field and allowing those throws to to not cross into that area of the field too much, then, Hey, great. You know, shoot your shot and and take your guy. And he's really exciting. And, you know, you want to implement some rolling uh, rollouts and moving pockets and get him on the move and take advantage of all that athleticism. That's terrific. You want to use his legs and, and the running ability that he has and use, use him as a weapon as another ball carrier in the backfield. That's terrific as well. He's got to continue to do, do a good job of making sure he's not taking body blows, uh, because that size is a concern as far as what his actual play weight is. We know what he weighed in at, but what is his play weight? We don't know. Um, so the, there are some concerns and some areas of his game on film that showed up relating to size that I thought it, was, it just kind of humored me a little bit that we were so quick to dismiss, like, oh, Kyler doesn't have any problem because of his size as a passer. Well, yeah, he can't, can't see the particular areas of the field all that consistently. It really showed up in the red zone. Now, when you're when you're throwing three yards high over CeeDee Lamb's head on slant routes because you have to throw it over the top of your offensive lineman, it's a limitation, I'm sorry, versus a guy that's 6'5", he's throwing down at those targets instead of throwing up and trying to get it up and over at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, I think those are great points, Kyle. Kyle. I almost called you Kyler. Um, <laughs> but you even see Russell Wilson do it still. I mean, there's things he doesn't see. And it gets ignored because he's had a great career and he does a lot of good things. But his height is a problem with the Seahawks. And there isn't a stat or a way of monitoring the throws that aren't made. And it's a different situation. But like Alex Smith, when he doesn't pull the trigger, that makes coaches insane. Or when they don't see something, and sometimes it's height. I mean, even Drew Brees at times has that issue. Sometimes it's just un, you know, unwillingness to, to let it fly. And that doesn't,
2: that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player. You know, of, mm-hmm. of course, I've Kyler as one of my top 32 players in this year's draft class, and I was surprised how much I liked Kyler by the time it was all said and done, because I came out and I watched a couple games, and I'm like, well, he's kind of a visual passer, and da da da, and then you get through the the rest of the tape, and so this so the natural talent just pops off at you, and you know, you watch him, and then you watch Dwayne Haskins back to back, and Kyler's got this hairpin trigger as far as his the quickness of his delivery, and I love that about him. So it's not to say that I think Kyler's a bad player by any means. QB1 and a top 32 rated player in the draft class, just there's some limitations there, and that makes it a more higher risk selection when you pair it with some of the size concerns and durability concerns because of his size.
0: Yeah, definitely all fair points and and really interesting points as far as what you're seeing him do with pass catchers in, in the middle of the field, in the intermediate area. Because that's where we're going to see Larry Fitzgerald. If we're placing Murray in Arizona, do you see a chance for immediate production? Uh, and, and how do you see him working with Fitzgerald, who's, who's the best option there right now?
2: Well, I think this team's going to be chasing a lot of people. So you're going to get volume no matter what. And there's value with volume, especially, you know, from if you we're talking a fantasy perspective, production. Uh, Blake Bortles, right? The, the garbage time yeah. king. You know it's they're they're down two scores. they gotta throw the ball at the end of the game, and you know, they're gonna throw the football with Cliff Kingsbury. It's the way it is, so I think any quarterback that you get there is going to get volume opportunities so and then you add in the fact that he has a rushing component to his game as well, and I certainly think he's more valuable than what Josh Rosen was in last year's situation in which it was just it was an abysmal situation It kind of played away from every single strength that Josh Rosen really had. Uh, just an unfortunate pairing altogether. And, you know, it's it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Rosen, too, specifically. But uh, I think you'll, you'll see Kyler play immediately, and I think you'll get some production. But I think you'll have a lot of mistakes, and I think you'll have a lot of missed opportunities because this game, I think, will move a little quickly for Kyler early on. I think he'll be quick to lean on his athleticism. And that can be good and it can be bad. So I think you'll get high variance as well.
0: Great stuff, uh, Kyle. Let's let's move on to the running back position. Your RB1 is is not in line with uh, most fantasy players' RB1. And, and that's what I love to have you guys on the show, especially those who are strictly focused on the NFL draft and maybe not as much in the – in in the fantasy community, because these differences, I I really think they can inform us both. I I know they certainly help me as I'm trying to decide this this player value when it comes to fantasy. You've got Daryl Henderson as your RB1. Certainly had the production, uh, unbelievable production at Memphis, but I, I think it is that level of competition that has some people a little concerned. What was
1: it for Henderson that, pushed him all the way to that top spot for you. Kyle, real quick before you answer, if you don't mind, yep. I also noticed in your draft guide, he's a tier three player, though, even though he's number one. So is yeah. he number one kind of by default?
2: Yeah, this this okay. this position group, traditionally, I've been a guy that's been very favorable to running backs. I had first-round grades on Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was my top player last year overall, regardless of position. Uh, I had Nick Chubb with a first-round grade last year. He was a top 15 player for me last year. I've had at least one first-round grade at running back every year since Todd Gurley. That's not the case anymore. Daryl Henderson is an early second-round value, as you said, a Tier 3 player, 34th overall on the big board. But he checked a lot of boxes as far as the production is astronomical, right? And He averaged almost 10 yards a carry. In November was averaging 10 yards a carry this year at Memphis. And level of competition, I think if you dominate the competition, especially at that position. I'm a little bit more lenient with it because we see running backs at lower level of of competition. Kareem Hunt came out and was a very successful football player very early, very early on in his career. David Johnson came into the NFL and was very successful early on in his career. So I think if you have the open field instinct, if you have some nuance to the way that you press the line of scrimmage, those things are more important to me because that that's where it the application of your skills is applied and Henderson loves to duck behind his pullers and and he he bounces quick to the second level but he sets up those blocks because he gets right behind those pullers and I really love the work that he does he's got good contact balance now he doesn't have like David Montgomery or Devin Singletary contact balance because he's only 208 pounds but he's 5'8 so he's built low to the ground he's got some natural leverage he's got good but not great long speed. he ran the high four fours uh, my comp here is jamal charles i think home run hitter if you get him in the right kind of system where i like him in outside zone personally where he can stick his foot in the ground he can string these out he's got enough speed that he can press to the boundary effectively get him to stick his foot in the ground break up field he's going to have one guy from the secondary or the second level that's either scraping across or coming downhill trying to fill on him He's going to make those guys miss a lot of the times, and it's going to give him a lot of home run opportunities. So uh, Henderson, for me, I I think all these backs are scheme dependent, but Henderson, if you get him in the right situation, I think has the physical ability and the mental acumen to be an impact runner right away.
1: Good, not great receiver?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Okay,
0: okay. Kyle, you mentioned David Montgomery, and throughout the – the college season, I think, for a lot of dynasty players who were looking forward to this time of year, Montgomery was easily the RB one uh, when it comes to fantasy football. But uh, lately, we've got we've got Josh Jacobs, of course, staking his claim for that spot. Miles Sanders is actually a a favorite of mine. He's a stud. A few people <laughs> have moved him up to RB one, myself included. Uh, again, when it comes to to fantasy leagues. Montgomery for you. It seems you're a little bit lower on him. He's your RB six. Uh, what what concerns do you have with with David Montgomery?
2: Yeah, uh, David's phenomenal when he's challenged one on one. He can stand. I've seen him take take tackle challenges from guys that had a full head of steam and, and Montgomery standing still, and they can't bring him down, which is really really impressive. Uh, but David concerns me with too many plays running directly into the back. Of his blockers. And at Iowa State, you're not playing in a conference that's really known for their run defending acumen. And he. he not the best blockers, though, either. That's, right? Yeah, that's also very true. And okay. um, Montgomery, for me, I like him best. It, we came up with this on the Draft Dudes podcast the other week in like a, a Tevin Coleman role. I would love him in Atlanta to take over that Tevin Coleman role now that Tevin Coleman's departed as. Mm. The pass catching back, the change of pace back, the guy that's a little got got some thunder to him. I think that would be a home run type role to give fantasy players an expectation of how I'd like to see him implemented. To see him be his best version of himself. Um, they used him in the passing game. He had 71 receptions. Uh, a lot of short stuff, a lot of, a lot of swing passes and, and screen passes, and they they kind of turn it into like this mini punt return where they cut the field in half, they eliminate half the guys, and you know they let him use his physicality. But if he's strictly running between the tackles, he's not consistent, he doesn't carry momentum particularly all that well, and he looks to bounce to the play side way too frequently. And I think he leaves meat on the bone when he could be cutting back into the middle of the field, and he runs into pursuit. So vision for me was just a really big concern.
0: So you don't see him as a a running back that teams would want to or would view as as an every-down back?
2: I think he could, but I don't know that he would be a long-term fixture in that type of role.
0: Yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. One more running back to talk about. Uh, Mike Weber, of course, Ohio State. This is a player who had, uh, I think, a solid – college career, maybe a little overshadowed there towards the end of his uh, time at Ohio State. But for fantasy players, uh, I think we like him a little bit more than RB18. But for me personally, he's a player that I've been on the fence with. So now I'm now that I see this rank and, and some of your notes, I'm a little worried that uh, he, maybe he's just not going to cut it. What were your thoughts on Weber? Sure. I mean, Mike's,
2: Mike's a solid runner. I will say this. It's not a top-heavy class, but there's a lot of backs once you hit day three, and if it's like this a lot of years too, but this year especially because you don't see the top end talent at the top of the group. Uh, I think it's a much more tightly bunched group. Um, Mike very easily could have ended up being RB 12, 13, 14 instead of 18. He was just kind of landed in a, a group of a lot of similarly graded players, and some of those tiebreakers for me, are things like production and the athletic ability and the, the, the game experience. So uh, I have changed the way I grade in that capacity where in years past, you do a film assessment and then you would weight the film assessment based on all of these supplemental measures. Well, going back to what we've talked about earlier, if a guy's a second-round player on film, he's a second-round player. So the way that I've done it this year is I've reallocated And your film assessment puts you into a bucket. So, for example, Mike Weber got a fifth-round grade. So he goes into the fifth-round tier with every other running back that got a fifth-round grade. And then from there, I use those measures and metrics like your size and your explosiveness and your production, and I use those things to break the ties and list you in order within your own tier. So you no longer get a guy that had a fifth-round grade jumping a guy that had a fourth-round grade because his metrics resume was so much better. So I've liked that change, and I think it's given me a much more reflective big board and rankings in general. But from Mike's perspective, there are four running backs in front of him that have fifth-round grades, and those guys just kind of checked more boxes for him, and that pushed him down and bubbled him down a little bit in these rankings.
1: It's funny because you, you mentioned how your guys act like the 33rd team. But you have to view it through 32 eyes. You know what right. I mean? Like, yes, you can't be like, boy, we really need this type of back. So he might be eighth on our list. You know, I mean, it just depends. The teams look at it a lot differently. So uh, it just it, it's harder almost to be where you're sitting than in a draft room with specific needs. So I just want everyone to understand that. I also want everyone to understand that they need to get into Harry's. I, I've been telling you guys about Harry's forever. We talked about my days back at ESPN when I hosted the Football Today podcast. Harry's was a sponsor for us then, and I got hooked. I was always a, a uh, electric razor guy because my skin gets real sensitive and gets all screwed up if I use blades until I found Harry's. So, like myself, join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. That's all caps. And the founders at Harry's were tired of paying up up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave didn't, doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads, flex balls, or handles that look like spaceships or something crazy like that. Uh, they fixed all that by combining a simple, clean design with a quality, durable blade at a very fair price. They bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades now for over 95 years. And they've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Their replacement cartridges from Harry's is only $2 each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shields. And all Harry's blades come come with a 100% guarantee. If you don't love your shave, just let them know and they'll give you a full refund. So this is what you do. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave with a weighted, wonderful handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that smells great, and a travel blade cover. And our listeners from our show can get that freeze trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show. Kyle, we're going
0: to run through these wide receivers uh, a little bit quicker because there's several that I want to hear your take sure. on. Sure. Hakeem Butler is is a guy I think we've talked about outliers throughout this show. You're spot on with Hakeem Butler. You've got him as your wide receiver five, but I, I couldn't uh, pass up the chance to get your take on him. He's a player in, in, in dynasty rankings that many have moved up to the wide receiver one. I had him there for a time. I've kind of been a little wishy-washy at the top, admittedly. I've seen Evan Silva rank him as his wide receiver one in this uh, in this rookie class, uh, but there's some, some clear concerns that that uh, people have as far as the drops and the uh, limited production throughout his career, more, more of a late career breakout. What do you see as Butler's ceiling? Uh,
2: my comp for him is Brandon Marshall. So to kind of give an idea of the kind of player that I think he has the potential to be, I think he's got that same bully physical my ball mentality really love the way he high points the football Uh, he's got some juice down the field too I mean this is a guy that's 6'5 227 and he's got 35 and a quarter inch arms just unbelievable length and catch radius Uh, I think the drops are really only a problem when he's square to the football which is frustrating because when he has to play above the rim he plucks the ball perfectly fine when it's over his shoulder there's no issues it's when he is square to his quarterback. His numbers are facing the quarterback and that ball's coming right for his chest. He doesn't pick it up particularly well. He struggles with it a little bit and it's frustrating. But at the same time, he's going to give you so many explosive plays with what he can do down the field that he's a valuable player. My primary concern with Hakeem, at least early on in his career, because I think you see him continue to grow and trend in the right direction in this capacity, is defeating press coverage is something he needs to be more violent with, more assertive with. Too much wasted time at the line of scrimmage has, has really killed a lot of routes for him. And then he's not able to stack guys effectively. So if I was going to look for an area for Hakeem Butler that he has to get better at coming in if he wants a productive rookie season, I think he'll be fine long term. But a productive rookie season has to come down to I want him to, to focus on getting off the line of scrimmage against assertive corners with much more consistency.
1: Do you see the same problem, although much different type of receiver, with Andy and Isabella? I see him oh, really struggling to get off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he, he, he's all over the place. He
2: loves to, to sit there and give you three head fakes before he's out on his stem. And the, foot, and the football eats him up, too, because he's got small yeah. hands.
1: So Everyone thinks he's Welker or Edelman. Brady would hate him.
2: Yeah, it's too, mu- too much time in <laughs> line of scrimmage. It's like make, make one cut and go, and trust, trust your agility and short area quickness to get you out of there.
0: Yeah, is- Isabel is another guy that I wanted to mention, Matt. I'm glad you brought him up. He has really quickly become kind of the darling of, of Dynasty fantasy football or, or fantasy Twitter, whatever you want to, to think about. Um, and, and, yeah, we've, we've basically already placed him on the Patriots. I, I think that, that feels like a done deal already. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just worry about a ceiling with him, both football perspective and and from a fantasy perspective
2: yeah uh primaries primarily a slot receiver right and that's that's perfectly fine um i think slot receivers have much more value now than what they did 10 years ago and that's Mm -hmm. not to to put a limitation on a guy but he's not a guy that's going to play down the boundary and i don't think he's going to be a guy that that wins a lot vertically despite his speed he's going to be a guy that that speed shows up and run after the catch situations uh same two primary concerns as what Keen Butler had as different as players as they are. Just the timeliness getting off the line of scrimmage, and there's drops here. He likes to body catch the ball because he's got eight and a half inch hands. He doesn't do very well when he has to extend out away, and he doesn't have a large catch radius. And if you're able to get a defender that's meeting the football at his frame, you're not going to have success in those areas. So uh, he's going to have to be a guy that lives and dies by. Shaking press coverage and finding soft spots in zone coverage. And that's perfectly fine, but that's just, you're not a, a universal player in that capacity. And I think you'll, you'll be a lot more reliant on the players around you occupying and requiring attention for him to really feast.
0: Another guy that there seems to be a, a wide range of, of opinions on is Marquise Brown. Uh, of course, coming off the Liz Frank injury. We've seen again many people consider him the wide receiver 1 overall in the class and uh if we're believing some of these reports it looks like he is likely to be a first round pick. Uh, I don't I don't know how many first round picks we're allowed to have but I've <laughs> it seems <laughs> like 50 or 60 of these guys are set to be first round picks. Kyle, you've got him as your wide receiver 9. How worried are you about the size? Uh
2: it's concerning. Uh when you consider the type of player that he is though, my, my comp here is Deshaun Jackson, that type of player. Uh, you understand that there's a pathway to win there, and I think that's really important is, is understanding where a player wins and trying to do your best to to stay true to those strengths and weaknesses. So he's a little scheme-specific. Want to be in a place where he's able to really push the ball, push his routes down the field. With that said, he runs some really, really nice routes. I was impressed when I watched him as a route runner, he does a tremendous job snapping off his routes quickly, but then you have to factor in he has the Liz Frank foot injury. And that's what's really scary. You know, when you can't run because you have Liz Frank injury and and you show up at 166 when you can't work out, what are you weighing when you're running? You know what I mean? So it's definitely present as a concern, but the fragility issue comes more from not, the, the, not just the size, but in a physical game, he's going to have to carry more weight than that. And how much of his speed can he uh, sustain when he has to add that weight?
0: I, I, we've heard the, the d comps uh, several times, I think, with, with Brown, and, and that certainly makes sense. But when you think about it over the past 20 years, how many d types type players have there been, right? Not many,
2: yeah, you're, de- you're definitely betting on him being the exception to the rule.
0: Right, right. The next guy I want to ask you about is your wide receiver 12, and, and I don't even have much to say about this guy because I just don't know much, admittedly. Stanley Morgan, your wide receiver 12. Tell us what you like about him to rank him much higher than average. Well, I think
2: the most impressive thing about Stanley Morgan Jr. is he made Tanner Lee look like a draftable quarterback in 2017 (laughs) so him having that going for him right away is a great start uh stanley's one of the best route runners in this class uh if you have an opportunity to watch any of the coaches tape and you, you see the deliberate efforts that he's making to manipulate defenders and get their hips to open so he can break back across their face or you know force a zone defender off his spot to create a larger throwing window it's all that little nuance type stuff that that If you're just watching the television broadcast, it'd be pretty easy to miss because a lot of those broadcasts are so cut close to the pocket, they don't really give you that action that's happening on the secondary. But I love this guy as a potential Z receiver, as a potential slot receiver. Uh, He's got enough speed. He ran low 4.5s. He's got some bounce in his legs. He's really quick in short spaces. He needs to play a little tougher. So if you get if you get him pinned, carrying him vertically up the sideline, you can eliminate him pretty easily by riding his hip and squeezing him into the boundary. But a lot of times he'll make you miss in press coverage, and then he stacked you, and you're chasing him the entire time. So coming out of an offense that really didn't promote a lot of passing production, you know they started to turn the corner a little bit this year with Adrian Martinez, a freshman quarterback there. But uh, I think if Stanley Morgan was here for Adrian Martinez's sophomore and junior years, a lot more people would know who he is versus having to deal with a freshman quarterback and Tanner Lee as his quarterback the year before.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, last guy on the wide receiver front, uh, Miles Boykin. I think he came into the the combine as, as kind of a low-ranked guy. That's where you have him. He's your wide receiver 33. He blew up the combine, and now fantasy players love this guy. Uh why should we be careful on that?
2: You just have to watch the tape.
0: Yeah.
2: Honestly, I mean there's a lot of raw areas to his game and I mean that's great. You can get excited about the potential of a, a essentially 6'4, 220 pound wide receiver that runs four four two and has massive vertical jump ability and great agilities. But if you just watch him play football, there's a lot of times where he gets eaten up at the line of scrimmage like guys guys will not let him off the football he does not play to his potential as far as his size so you get a big receiver that doesn't play like a big receiver in a lot of instances I know it's easy to kind of car we just got done carpet bombing Nebraska's passing game so Notre Dame let's be fair they don't have great quarterbacks there either but at the same time if you watch him in isolation there's so much that he needs to get better at, and there's so many little things that I don't think have even they've been bothered to be taught about. I think if you get to Boykin's ceiling, it's a long ways away, and I think he, there's there's just a lot of work and a lot of investment, and the vast majority of teams don't develop their players that effectively at the pro level.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great great point. Really yeah, well it said. Is. Let's uh, let's move on to the tight ends. We'll finish up there. Noah Fant, Hawkinson, Irv Smith. These these are the top three guys for pretty much everybody. I think uh, we know those guys are going to go early. Almost certainly, the the two Iowa uh, tight ends will be first rounders in the NFL draft. But what do you think about their their chance for early production? So often, we from a fantasy standpoint, we get excited about these tight ends, but then it's two or three or four years before they're actually entrenched in that system and, and producing. Could these three guys be different? Could we see something immediate from them?
2: I think you'll at least get that from Hawkinson. If you can play with your hand in the dirt, you've made yourself friendly to all thirty two teams.
1: Is he as good a tight end as prospect as you've seen?
2: Um I like Fant better personally. Oh do you? Oh yeah. okay. But that I'm but that really stems from his ceiling as his potential impact as a receiver. Uh Hawkinson is the real deal. He's my eleventh overall player in the draft class, regardless of position. It's hmm. he, you put him in line. You know he's gonna beat the tar out of a defensive end across his face. He's gonna kill linebackers. He's very physical. He's not overly dynamic as far as open field, but when you consider he's two fifty-one, you appreciate the fact that he ran four seven flat. But I know some people coming in the combine were expecting him to run low four sixes. Hawkinson, I think, is the safest projection to get high snap volume early because no matter what team you go to, coaches there are going to be comfortable putting him on the field because he can play with his hand in the dirt. The other two, I think, are a little bit more uh, flex-specific or modern for a Noah fan's perspective. I like Irv Smith Jr. a lot. He's my 35th overall player. But he's not a guy that's going to have a ton of success with his hand in the dirt because he's 240 pounds. He gives great effort in blocking. He knows how to frame blocks. But from a functional perspective, he sticks to defenders. He doesn't dictate to defenders. And he's not overly explosive in the open field as far as you, know, you look at his jumps. He jumped 32 and and 9.2 in the broad. Uh, Hawkinson was 37.5 and 10.3. Fant was 39.5 and 10.7. They're much more explosive players, and uh, Irv, he kind of has this one gear within the first 10 yards or so. So he's a guy I don't think he'll feast with his hand in the dirt. I don't think he's a guy that's going to really feast flexed out because he's not an elite athlete in that area. So I think Irv will have the most growing pains. I think Finn has the highest ceiling. It's just a question of does he go to a place that's going to use him like a modern tight end, and Hawkinson's the, the easiest and safest projection.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. You're really high on fans. He's your fourth overall player. Yeah, I, I love player. I
2: love his ceiling as far as like a Jimmy Graham type of, of player. I think he can be a real impact player.
1: Kyle, we, we've
0: kind of thrown this idea out on this show before, and plenty others have said it as well. Do you think, compared to the past five, ten years, is this the best tight end class we've seen in quite a while? Mm,
2: I would probably still lean towards that 2017 class that had yeah. Howard – Ingram and Njoku with um, George Kittle in it as well. Right. I think that, that class takes the cake, but this is a really, really good group. It's not as deep as what I anticipated it was going to be. Like mid, okay. mid-November, mid I was expecting Jay Sternberger to really be a hot name. Uh, I, I didn't cool quite as much on guys like Dawson Knox and Isaac Nauta yet. Uh, Caden Smith was a guy that had flashed to me when I just casually watched Stanford games so I was expecting a little bit more at the top than what we got in this year's class versus once you got everybody's final body of work and their resumes they had, some of those guys dropped off a little bit
0: yeah that is a good point Caden Smith and Caleb Wilson uh, yeah the UCLA kid are are two that just like you said you're watching a game and. Uh, October, November, and you think, yeah, they could become something. And, and now that we're here, I mean, I'm, I've even seen reports that, that Wilson might be an undrafted free agent. So
2: I don't think he's draftable. I, okay. I don't know where the hell 4-5 flat came from in the 40, but yeah.
0: <laughs> he, doesn't look like
2: he runs like 5-1 when he's got pads on. He's yeah. super stale with the ball in his hands. So that was probably the most surprising individual test result of the Combine.
1: Yeah, even I like Nada, people were talking about during the season, and now he's sixth, seventh round type guy. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, Knox is the guy that I've seen kind of climbing, and and almost uh, according to several mock drafts, locked in, in in the third round. I don't, I don't know if I quite believe that yet.
2: I could see it with the ceiling, his athletic ceiling. He's he's very explosive, and Old Miss just refused to use him. They refused to throw yeah. the football to him, and I know there's mouths to feed there, and. They they kind of chose to run the offense through AJ Brown in the middle of the field, so there, there's some context there why the production wasn't there. But generally speaking, I think he's pretty raw as a route runner.
0: Yeah, that that Kittle guy didn't catch too many passes in no, college either. That's true. <laughs> uh, last tight end, I wanted to ask you about Elise Mack. Uh entered Notre Dame as as the top recruit, and to me, just never really lived up to the expectations. You like him though; he's your tight end five.
2: Yeah, he's um. He's interesting. He's not like a dominant blocker, but he's he's good enough with his hand in the dirt that I think he can get some snaps fairly early on. And I like some of the nuance that he has, where he just has this natural vibe as a, a receiver. And when he works out in the secondary and he's working against linebacker, he's pretty versatile. So he ran four seven flat. He had good jumps at thirty six inches and and uh, ten feet on the broad. So he's got some spring, too. You think back to that Miami game in 2017 where they got whitewashed, like they got knocked out cold. He had the touchdown, I think it was late third quarter in that football game, and it was a a really nice play, and he took the ball like right off the top of the defender's helmet who had the leverage on the throw. So you see some splash plays there. I think he's just really natural watching him kind of work on the second level, and I think he gives you enough with his hand in the dirt that that he can contribute fairly
0: early. Hmm. All right. Great stuff. Kyle, you have you've killed it today. You've given us a a wealth of information. I've taken a couple pages of notes here just as you've been talking. So uh, I'll add that to your uh, draft prospectus as as, uh, work to read. As we lead up to the draft, tell our listeners where they can find your work, including the uh, 2019 NFL draft perspective. Sure.
2: So you can go to the draft and look for the post. It's near the top. The draft network presents the 2019 NFL draft perspective. It's, it's 328 pages, 300 scouting reports. Uh, try and lay it out in a, as user friendly. A format as humanly possible. Write uh, at the draft network, five, six days a week. I'm on Twitter at grinding the tape. Uh, five days a week, do the Draft Dudes podcast. I'm the managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com. I do a Dolphins uh, podcast, Fin It to Win It. I'm all over the place. So just Google Kyle Krabs or check
1: out the Draft Network and stumble onto some stuff. And, and folks, that, that guide that we've been referring so much has every position. It's not just fantasy. I mean, there's linebackers, safeties, everything as in-depth as Kyle's talking today. So you got to get it.
0: All right, Kyle, thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.